0: Today, Holy Thursday, is a day to contemplate the Eucharist, to contemplate him in what he is right here before us. We have to remember that the Eucharist is the heart and center of all Christian life. He should be the heart and center of our life, of our family, of our daily life, of our work, of our obligations, everything. He should be our heart and our center. And this retreat is a time to set aside everything and to be here with him for a couple days. To contemplate him also in his passion, in the greatest work that he's done for us. To give his life for us, to give us salvation, to give us eternal life. To contemplate this and just to be here with him, right? And to ask him, what is it that you want of me? On this day, we remember the day that he gave us the sacrament of love. In the account of the Last Supper, he said to his apostles, I have ardently desired to eat this Passover with you. It's something that he has ardently desired. Because that was the day that he knew that he was going to give them his body and his blood. And today he says the same thing to us. I have ardently desired to be with you today. He desires ardently to be with us, to be in our hearts. Today, to be with him, to accompany him, and to remember the mysteries of his ex- extreme love that he shows and still shows for us today. Mother Teresa said, when you look at, at a crucifix, you think of how much he loved you to die for you. And then, at that time. But when you look at Jesus in the Eucharist, you think of how much he loves you now that he continues to wait for you every day in the sacrament. We find in the Eucharist, we find the sacred heart of Jesus. The Eucharist is his heart, is his heart of Jesus. It is beating with love for us. In the Eucharistic miracle of of Lanciano, Italy, there's hundreds of miracles in the Eucharist that the Lord, Lord gives us to show us that he really is there, to show maybe people who don't believe that it really is his body and his blood. Even if it looks like a piece of bread, it's not. And like I said, there's hundreds of miracles. There's one in Lanciano, Italy, that there was a monk in, a while ago that he was celebrating mass. And at the moment of the consecration, he had doubts. He said, is it really possible that I, who's just a person, a man, that I'm really consecrating the, this bread and wine into the body and blood of Jesus? And as he had that doubt, the Lord gave him the grace to see that it was really him. And he saw the bread and wine transform really into flesh, visible flesh and visible blood. And they later did studies on that. And it's still there today. If you go there, you still see it in the form of flesh and blood. And they've done studies on that, and they've seen that it is the blood is from a living heart. This miracle was probably in the, I think it was more, well, more than 1,000 years ago. And it, after more than 1,000 years, it's still from a living heart. That in itself is a miracle. And there's many other miracles that also show that, that they've done studies, and they see that it's from a heart. So many times, the Lord wants us to show us this that he is there in the Eucharist, his heart is there. It's beating for us. There are some people that have seen have claimed to see in the Eucharist, they have seen a heart that is beating. It's for the Lord to show us that he's there. So, Cuz sometimes sometimes we forget. In the chapter of John 6, When Jesus first talks about how he's going to give us his body and blood as our true food and drink, he was talking to his disciples, to many people. At that time, many of his disciples at that moment left him because they said his teaching was too difficult. He suffered this abandonment because many disciples at that moment left him. They abandoned him because they said it was too difficult to understand, and they left. He suffered this, but then he just turned to his apostles and said, Do you also want to leave? And their answer was, Master, to whom shall we go? You alone have words of everlasting life. They did not completely understand this mystery, but they believed in Jesus, and they knew that he was the only one they could go to. He was the only one who would give them everlasting life. And here also in this same chapter, right after this, is the first time that Jesus announced that one of his apostles would betray him. He says at the very end, did I not choose you, the 12, and yet one of you is a devil? He was referring at this time to Judas, who, would be, who was already thinking of the betrayal, who was already thinking of what he would do to betray Jesus and put him to death. This, the announcement of the betrayal of Jesus takes place in the very moment of the announcement of the sacrament of love. So we see here this this contradiction of the greatest love and the greatest contempt that sometimes happens in the Eucharist. The greatest love, who is Jesus, but sometimes there's so many insults and contempt towards it. The Eucharist is the sacrifice of the great love of Jesus on the cross, but it is also the victim of the lack of love of so many souls. How many times do we pierce the heart of Jesus again with our indifference and our sin? Just like he was pierced on the cross. We can think now how hard it must have been for our Lord to live with Judas. He was there. He chose him. He was one of the 12 that he chose to be with him, to live with him every day. And he knew that he would reject his every word. He would knew that one time he would betray him to death. One of you will betray me. This is also the sorrowful cry of the heart of Christ in the Eucharist. And he says here, one of you. It is not some from the outside. It is some from within. From within his group of apostles who has listened to Jesus, who has heard his voice. One of his friends. When when Jesus says this in the Last Supper, that one of you will betray me, of course his apostles were thinking, Who is this, Lord? Because they didn't know. And John, his beloved apostle, reacts immediately. What does he do? He does the best thing. He reclines his head on the heart of Jesus. And he asks, Who is it, Lord? He doesn't say this to impede it. He He wants to be in union with the sentiments of Jesus, with his thoughts, with his feelings, with his attitude. The Lord says, He to whom I will give this morsel of food, He is the one who will betray me. Now this is a sign of of true love. When he says, I will give this morsel of food to him, it's like saying it's the last attempt to move the heart of the one who will betray him, showing his open heart, full of forgiveness and readiness to receive all who come to him with a contrite heart. It's this last attempt to move and change the heart of him who he called to follow him. I give this morsel of food to this hardened heart to soften it. And Judas takes it, he swallows it, but his heart is still hardened. He rejects that gesture of love of Jesus. And then the scripture says, Satan entered into him with this morsel of food. Satan entered into him, and it was night. And this, when it says, and it was night, it's not just saying that it was dark outside, it was getting night. It was saying, a symbol of saying also, that it was night in the soul of Judas. It was night because of the betrayal, night because of sin. That darkness that swallowed him. There's so many times that we see this night around us as well. Injustices, sin, from human betrayals, from our own sins. This is when we must go to Jesus and recline on his sacred heart, just like St. John. Like I said, he did the best thing, to go to Jesus. In the moments that are difficult, that are hard, go to Jesus. Recline in his sacred heart. Go to the Eucharist. We must be like John. Think about John today as well. and Think, how can I be like him? We must contemplate Jesus like he did, doing reparation for the offenses committed against him, especially those done to the Eucharist. And unite ourselves to him. When we see that he had a his sacred heart was a human heart. It was a heart that also suffered. He rejoiced. He had joys, he had sorrows. So unite ourselves in his way of acting with his thoughts, with his suffering. Here we have before us we have the Eucharist, and there behind we have the crucifix. Look at those two things. We see in the cross we see how Jesus was mocked, he was ridiculed, rejected, abandoned. And in the Eucharist, he is also so many times abandoned and insulted. So it's a day that we can also do reparation for him. We have a program of Changing Tracks, and in it we have uh, an interview of an ex-wizard who said that he himself said in the program said before i was 14 years old i had broken all all 10 commandments he had lived everything in his life but then he had a huge conversion when he was older and right away he knew that the true church was a catholic church he wasn't catholic when he was younger but he knew that he had to enter the catholic church that was the one thing he had clear he knew that that was the truth there and he entered and then he immediately found the eucharist he saw that the church had the greatest gift of the eucharist And there's one day that he found out that there was a chapel of perpetual adoration in his hometown. And he went there and he said, I can't believe that you can go to a place where you can see God face to face, that he's there. And he thought that he would have to be there hours waiting in line to get there to see God for at least two minutes. He said, maybe I won't only be there two minutes because there's so many people who want to see him that I'm going to have to be waiting outside for hours. He got there to the chapel And he looked around. He said, am I in the right place? There's no one here. There was no one waiting at the door. He walked in, and he saw two people. He saw two people in the chapel. Everything else was empty. And he saw God there in the Eucharist on the altar. And he said this in the program. He said, I could not believe that there was no one in the chapel, that God was there. He was right there. You could see him face to face, and there was no one there. And how many times this happens in so many different ador- chapels of adoration in the world, so many different times that people don't take advantage of this huge gift that we have in the, in the church. You walk into the chapel and you, sometimes you don't even think about it. You're thinking about things. So it's a time to come back and say, what a huge gift I have in the Eucharist. Today, our, our question to stay with us during this time of prayer that we're going to have, we can say, looking at the Eucharist, say, Lord, What do you want me to do for you? Seeing that he is there in the Eucharist, he stays there for us every single day. says, what can I do? What must I do? What will I do? Have this as your key prayer to start this retreat. Starting today, say, Lord, whatever you want. Whatever you want. The Lord's here and he wants in the Eucharist, he's looking at each one of us, and he wants to pour out his graces in our hearts. I like to think of it sometimes as if it's a pouring rain outside, and if you go outside without an umbrella, what happens? You get drenched. Well, in that sense, I like to think of it as the, that's like the graces of God coming down on your soul. He wants to pour his graces down upon you, and we shouldn't go with an umbrella. Just go and get drenched with his grace. Right? His heart is there desiring to, it's overflowing with love for us, and desiring to give us those graces. That's why he died on the cross. He did all that to obtain those graces to pour down on our souls through the sacraments, through confession, through the Eucharist. And the Eucharist is the one, is a sacrament that unites us to Christ directly because we receive him physically inside of us. We have to remember that this union is not automatic. We receive him inside of us physically. But this physical union does not produce the same effects in everybody. It must be accompanied by a spiritual union. It's like if you have two fields, a farmer has two fields, right? And there's one field that he's really working on it. He gets his tractor out. He tills it every day. He makes sure there's no weeds, there's no rocks. He puts fertilizer in it, and then he plants the seed. There's another field that he doesn't do anything. He just leaves the weeds grow. There's rocks in it. He tries to plant seeds. Well, of course, which field would be the one that produces more fruit? The one that he worked on more. Well, you can think of that as our soul. Which is the one that the Lord can produce more fruit in their soul when they receive from the Eucharist? The one that you work on more the one when you work on more the virtues, when you have prayer life, that's the one that will receive Jesus in the Eucharist and will really, he can really do great things. He can transform you. So think, the more perfect the disposition I have when I approach this sacrament, the more complete this union and transformation will be. We can ask the Lord today, conform my will to yours. Make my heart more like yours. This is a grace that he has to give you, but ask for it. If you have here the Bible, you can also read during this time the whole chapter of John 6 when he gives us the first announcement of the Eucharist. But more than anything, just be at this time, be with Jesus, be in his presence, and think of all that we've received in the the talk and here in the meditation and say, Jesus, what do you want me to do? What do you want to tell me today?